to Erev Shabbos here at JM in the AM, and welcome to Rosh Chodesh Adar, day two. It's the, the uh, second Adar of 5782. It is Friday, March 4th, 2022. Parshas Piku Day is tomorrow, so good Erev Shabbos. 532 candle lighting in the New York area. Make sure you know where it is in your neck of the woods. Nachum is off again. My name is Mayor Ferdigan. Thank you for starting this wonderful day with this wonderful radio program. Shalom Aleichem, Malachem, Hashores, Malachem, Elyoin, Mimelech, Malachem, Amlochim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Shalom Aleichem, Malachem, Hashores, Malachem, Elyoin, Mimelech, Malachem, Amlochim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu
תזכם לשלום, מלאכי השוב עולים, מלאכי עליון. ממלך מלאכי
לכבוד שבת קודש, לכבוד שבת קודש, נרות לכבוד שבת, לכבוד שבת קודש, חלות לכבוד שבת, לכבוד שבת קודש, מן עולם הבא, מן עולם הבא, בואי לגני, אחותי כלה, בואי לגני, שבת מלכתה. שבת קודש, לכבוד שבת קודש, הכל לכבוד שבת, לכבוד שבת קודש, הכל הכל לכבוד שבת, לכו ותשבס קודש, מעולם הבא, מעין עולם הבא, בואי לגני, אחותי כלה, בואי לגני, שבת מלכתה. שבת קודש, לכבוד שבת קודש, זמירות לכבוד שבת, לכבוד שבת קודש, הכל לכבוד שבת, לכבוד שבת קודש. Sasha boss la soy la soy se 
last wish. Well, it's the end. It's been a good life, but it's the end. Where is my son Simo that came to see me from California? Hello, Papa. Goodbye, Simo. Simo, my son, it's the end. Don't say that, Papa. It's not the end. Even at the end, my own son is telling me what to say. <laughs> Simo, my boy, believe me, it's the end. All right, Papa, I believe you. It's the end. Simo, I liked it better when you were arguing with me. Papa, is there anything I can get for you? Yes. One thing before I go. I would like one piece of Mama's delicious apple strudel. It's my last wish. I'll get it for you, Papa. What else could a man want but the taste of Mama's apple strudel on his lips when he goes? <laughs> I'm a lucky man. I'm back, Papa. Oh, good. The apple strudel. No, Papa. I didn't get it. Mama says you can't have any. <laughs> what do you mean? Can't happen. She said the strudel is for after the funeral. <laughs> it gets me every time. Good morning, everybody. It's JM and the AM. Nachum is off. My name is Mayor Fertig. Thank you for starting your uh, Erev Shabbos and Rosh Chodesh with, uh, with JM and the AM. It is nice to have you with us this morning. That was the last wish from the album The Yiddish Are Coming. Before that, the Purim song from the Maccabees, Dror Yikra from the wonderful Kol Achai, Vishomri from Barry Weber, Lichud Likavod Shabbos Kodesh from Mati Weiss, Shoshana Yaakov, new music from Lenny Solomon and Schlockrock, Sholem Aleichem from A.B. Rottenberg and Shlomo Simcha, and we started things off at 6 o'clock with Moda'ani from Regesh, as we do each and every Sunday through Friday morning at JM in the AM and JM Sunday. So we, uh, we have uh, Malcolm Honeline, a weekend update, coming up at 6.45, so stay tuned for that. that uh, did I say 6.45? I meant 7.45, so an hour, and 20, an hour and 15 minutes from now. I really should have gotten more sleep. It's Friday morning, the 4th of March, 2022. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Pekude, Rosh Chodesh Adar Beis, 5782 is the year. Candlelighting time in the New York area, 5.32 p.m., or thereabouts, of course, there could be uh, local uh, variations, and certainly uh, from region to region there will be variations. So you want to check a Jewish calendar or contact your local shul and find out when candlelighting time is in your area. Uh, coming up, we have um, Blue Fringe, um, Akiva, and plenty more music between now and 9 o'clock. Rabbi Yudin, of course, at 8.15 as... Uh, as is our habit every era of Shabbos here at JM in the AM. Uh, let's take a look at the weather situation. 
It is, uh, I don't know if you've been outside, but when I uh, got up and let the dog out, it was cold. 19 degrees, clear skies now. We're going up to a high of 40 today in uh, northern New Jersey. Right now, 55% humidity. The pressure is coming up on the barometer from 30.54. 10-mile visibility, so a nice clear day. Uh, there is some wind, 5 miles an hour. And uh, as I said, it is cold, 19 degrees. Feels like 11 out there with that wind. And Yerushalayim right now, 53 degrees. And uh, feels like 50 because there's some wind there as well, 10 miles an hour. Uh, 54% humidity. The pressure is falling um, in Jerusalem from 30.06. And uh, there is a small chance of some showers uh, throughout the day, apparently although uh, maybe not as much as yesterday. Anyway, 53 right now in Jerusalem, and as I said, 19 here in Teaneck, New Jersey, where JM the AM is originating from this morning. Nachum has the day off. My name is Mayor Fertig, and thank you for tuning in to your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
would pour Sadie always kept a smile Wiped the tears away Nothing could ever keep him down When he'd start to say It's Shabbos now Shabbos now And we'll sing Ah 
eighth day here at JM in the AM. That was uh, It's Shabbos Now. Love that song. So glad I stumbled across it this morning. Always nice to hear that. Vishamru from Blue Fringe. Really down-tempo number before that. I think that's from their first, I can't remember, first or second album. But uh, I've always enjoyed that. It's very slow and contemplative, which is exactly what you would expect to have on Rosh Chodesh Adar. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday morning, March 4th, 2022. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Bikude, Rosh Chodesh Adar, Bays, and candlelighting time this afternoon, 532 in the New York area. Of course, some local variations, so check your local calendar. Uh, we have plenty coming up on this Erev Shabbos and Rosh Chodesh edition of JM in the AM. Uh, for starters, at 7 o'clock, the news from Israel. 745, Malcolm Honeline with the weekend update. And uh, we're looking forward to talking to him. Rabbi Yudin with the Torah portion of the week at 8.15, and plenty of music in between until 9 o'clock. And then we have a full day of programming here on the Nachum Siegel Network, so stay tuned all day long. 9 o'clock, Naomi Nachman brings us Table for Two. Naomi is joined by Shani Seidman from Manischewitz, Mimi Ehrlichster from Piped Israel, and David Neubauer from The Boozery. That's an interesting-sounding name. 10 o'clock this morning, the Arab Shabbos show Encore. Hosted by Mark Zamek, great Jewish music, sponsored by our friends at Kedem. And then at 1 o'clock, the Arab Shabbos Music Mix. Again, great Jewish music sponsored by our friends at Kedem, as well as Harry Rothenberg's Torah Portion Vlog. That's uh, all happening today on the Nachum Siegel Network. Motzei Shabbat, Motzei Shabbos, Saturday night, whatever you want. 9 o'clock, Saturday night, Siegel, hosted by Avrami Finkelstein. Great Jewish music and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler on the Torah portion of the week. And then uh, JM and the AM Encore, this program, um, Motzei Shabbos, 10 p.m. You can hear this program again. And then Sunday morning at 7, of course, Matas has JM Sunday uh, with uh, great music and the latest news and much, much more. So always something to listen to on the Nachum Siegel Network, and we hope you'll stay tuned. Coming up, we'll have we'll hear Akiva with Yesh Bacha Koach. Um, a couple of other things we want to tell you about. In particular, um, Schlockrock is in concert this Sunday in, um, in Fairlawn at the Darche Noam Shul. That's at 3.30 this Sunday at the Darche Noam Shul, 10-04 Alexander Avenue in Fairlawn. For information, go to Lenny's website, fourcornersproject.org. That's the number four cornersproject.org. And I'm sure they're happy to accept um, I'm sure they're happy to accept uh, sponsorships. Um, you could email for information about that, Ryeteef103 at gmail.com, A-R-Y-E-H-T-I-E-F 103 at gmail.com for information at, about sponsoring the Schlock Rock concert this Sunday at 3:30 in Fairlawn. JM in the AM, Erev Shabbos edition, Rosh Chodesh edition, and uh, we uh, are going to continue with Akiva at your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. גם כל הכאבים והחולשות שלך הפכו אותך אחד כזה שלא מפחד ליפול שלא מפחד לגדול 
קו לתו נגן את הניגון שלך, יש לך אחד יפה. תרקוד כאילו העולם שר בשבילך, תראה הלב כבר מתרפא, ורק אל תפחד ליפול, רק אל תפחד לגדול. כל עוד לא הפסקת על החלום, אתה מנצח, כאילו אין מחר לחיית היום, תחזיק רק להיום. כל עוד לא הפסקת על החלום, אתה מנצח. תעוף הכי רחוק שאתה יכול, כי יש בך הכל. קח מכל צייר את הציור שלך. יש לך אחד יפה, ואין שום דבר שיעצור אותך, תפליג לאן שרק תרצה, רק אל תפחד ליפול, רק אל תפחד לגדול. כל עוד לא הפסקת על החלום, אתה מנצח, כאילו אין מחר לחיות היום. תחזיק רק ליום, כל עוד לא הפסקת על החלום, אתה מנצח, תעוף הכי רחוק שאתה יכול, כי יש בך הכל. Thank <laughs> you. 
אתה מבין הכל, אתה עוזר בכל, אתה רואה הכל, שומע הכל, אתה בוחן הכל, אתה אוהב מכל. אתה אחד ושמך אחד, ומכעמך ישראל. Yeshbecha HaKol from Akiva. Before that, I mispronounced it before. Yeshbecha HaKol, beautiful song here at JM in the AM. Uh, funny story about that. Um, Mark Zomik suggested I play it today, and uh, he had sent me a note about it. And I was playing it in the house yesterday while I was uh, prepping for the show, yesterday evening. And as it comes on in the house... My daughter comes downstairs with a shocked look on her face because she had been on her way downstairs with that song on her phone to suggest that I play it today. So uh, apparently great minds think alike. And I guess between, the, between uh, you know, Leora and Mark Zomik, if, you know, two great minds. So um, 
that was uh, that was a, a funny little bit of uh, of well, I don't believe in coincidence. You know, everything happens for a reason. But uh, that's that's a thing that happened as we were preparing today's show. JM in the AM for a Friday morning Erev Shabbos edition of JM in the AM. It's March fourth. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Piku Day. It's Rosh Chodesh. Chodesh Tov, everybody. Uh, it is the first day of Adar Bays, and uh, Purim is two weeks from yesterday. Candlelighting time this afternoon, 5.32 p.m. in the New York area. Different uh, for sure where you are with uh, perhaps minute variations or maybe big depending on where you are. Daf Yomi for today, Chagiga. Daf Chaf Dalid. The Mishnah Yomi is Demai, uh, Perik Gimel 3, and that's Mishnah, Mishnayos 4 and 5. And the Nach Yomi for today is uh, from Shoftim, Perik Chaf, that's 20, and that is the Nach Yomi for today. Coming up momentarily, we'll have the news from Israel. And then at 7.45, we'll bring you Weekend Update with Malcolm Honline and plenty more. Rabbi Yudin, of course, at 8.15. Nachum is off. My name is Mayor Fertig. Thank you for tuning in. You are tuned to America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard and listener sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the Nachum Siegel Network, and on the wonderful NSN app. And we say good morning. גלי צהל השעה אחת, שלום רב, באולפן ערן קורצי, מה שקורה עכשיו. היום התשיעי למלחמה באוקראינה, כוחות רוסיים נכנסו לראשונה לעיר הנמל מיקולייב. מדווחת כתבת חדשות החוץ, רומי פרידמן. לפי הרשויות שם, כוחות רוסים נכנסים לראשונה לעיר הנמל שבדרום, שנמצאת ממזרח לאודסה. במקביל, יועץ לנשיא אוקראינה עדכן לפני זמן קצר, כי ההתקדמות שם של כוחות הפדרציה נבלמה. הבוקר הזהיר צבא אוקראינה כי הצי הרוסי בים השחור מתכונן להתקפה כחלק מתוכניתו לנוע לכיוון אודסה, עיר נמל חיונית בדרום. בתוך כך, מועצת זכויות האדם של האו"ם אישרה לפני זמן קצר להקים ועדת חקירה בנושא התוקפנות של רוסיה על אוקראינה. עד כאן. לפני זמן קצר שוחח בגלי צה"ל ולאד רויטברג, יועצו של נשיא אוקראינה עם אמיר בר שלום, וסיפר על חיילי צבא רוסיה שעושים את דרכם לערי אוקראינה. רובם לא יודעים איפה הם נמצאים, באיזה מדינה בכלל הם נמצאים. הם עקבו אחרי השיירה, אחרי ראש השיירה. ראש השיירה נהרג, הם לא יודעים מה לעשות, הם יוצאים מהטנקים, הם יוצאים, מסתכלים שמאלה וימינה, לא מבינים מה הם עושים. פוטין שולח אותם כמו בשר למות. קליטת פליטי המלחמה בישראל. השרים שקד ולפיד צפויים להכריז בימים הקרובים על מדיניות רשמית של ישראל לקליטת פליטים מאוקראינה. פרסמה כתבתנו המדינית מוריה אסרף וולברג. שקד ולפיד צפויים להכריז בימים הקרובים על מדיניות ישראלית רשמית לקליטת פליטי מלחמה מאוקראינה למשך שנה עם אשרות עבודה. לפיד דוחף לקליטתם של כ-2,000 פליטים, אבל המספר הסופי עוד נמצא בדיונים. בימים האחרונים הגיעו ארצה כ-1,500 כעבור חודשים אחדים, הכוונה היא שחלקם יקבלו הכרה כפליטים ויוכלו להישאר כאן לפרק זמן ממושך ולעבוד בארץ. בצל המלחמה אלפי פליטים מאוקראינה חצו בימים האחרונים וגם הלילה את הגבול למולדובה במטרה למצוא מקלט ממחנה פליטים סמוך לקישינה בירת מולדובה מדווח שליחנו אדר גיציס. אחרי מסע מפרך בקור מקפיא שהחל באודסה בקייב ושכנותיה עשרות יהודים בהם ילדים נקלטו כאן בבית מחסה בכפר הסמוך לקישינה בירת מולדובה חלקם יעלו על טיסת החילוץ ויגיעו לישראל ביום ראשון הקרוב היתר ימתינו כאן עד תום המלחמה במטרה לשוב בחזרה לביתם באוקראינה. 
עוד בחדשות, מפקד פיקוד המרכז של צבא ארצות הברית, הגנרל קנט מקנזי, סיים את ביקור הפרידה שלו בישראל לקראת סיום תפקידו. עם הפרטים כתבנו הצבאי דורון קדוש. במהלך ביקורו, מפקד צנטקום נפגש עם הנשיא הרצוג, ראש הממשלה בנט, שר הביטחון גנץ והרמטכ"ל כוכבי, והניח זר ביד ושם. הבכירים הישראלים הדגישו בפניו את החשיבות להגביר את המאמצים מול התוקפנות האזורית של איראן. עוד שוחחו על אפשרויות להרחבת שיתופי הפעולה הצבאיים והביטחוניים במזרח התיכון, כולל עם מדינות המפרץ. השבויים והנעדרים. אהוד אולמרט, ראש הממשלה לשעבר, אומר שהציבור לא עוסק בשחרור השבויים אברה מנגיסטו והישאם א-סייד בגלל מוצאם ומעמדם החברתי. אם הוא לא היה אתיופי, אם הוא היה אשכנזי לבן, או בן לאיזושהי משפחה, מערכת משפחתית חזקה, מיותר המיינסטרים של החברה הישראלית, אז היו צועקים יותר. אבל לא צועקים משום שהוא אתיופי. אתיופי, מה זה חשוב? ראש הממשלה לשעבר הוסיף כי הפעולה הנועזת ביותר במלחמת לבנון השנייה הייתה של כוחות מיוחדים שניסו לאתר את גופות השבויים גולדווסר ורגב במקררים של בית החולים בוואלבק שם היה ניסיון לאתר רופא איראני שחשבו שיהיה לו מידע. את הדברים אמר אולמרט לנורית קנטי בשישי אסטרטגי בקתדרה. מזג האוויר היום קר מהרגיל לעונה, ייתכן גשם קל בצפון ובמרכז, מחר תחול עלייה בטמפרטורות ויהיה מעונן חלקית עד בהיר. אלה החדשות בצוות רומי לוין.
שלום, מלאכי השלום, מלאכי Thank you. 
Dove Levine at JM in the AM. Good morning, everybody. Nachum Siegel is off today. My name is Mayor Furtick. Thank you for starting your day with JM in the AM. It is an Erev Shabbos edition of your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Friday, the 4th of March, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Bekude, Chodesh Tov, it's Rosh Chodesh Adar Beis, candle lighting time this afternoon, 5.32 in the New York area. Could be a little different where you are, of course, so uh, you'll want to check that out. Stay tuned, about a half hour from now, weekly update with Malcolm Honeline. Malcolm will join us live from wherever he is, could be anywhere, could be anywhere, but he'll be, uh, he'll be with us providing some insight into uh, the world around us and uh, particularly how it affects the state of Israel and the Jewish world. Of course, we'll be talking about uh, the situation going on uh, concerning the Russian invasion of Ukraine. There are so many facets to that story, of course, that we've all, or most of us, have been watching uh, very closely. So we'll hear from uh, Mr. Honline and uh, get his thoughts and impressions, and certainly whatever information he is able to share with us um, that he uh, that he has garnered from his uh, his day to day research. So stay tuned about 50, about uh, thirty minutes from now for a weekly update with Malcolm Honeline. Uh, Kela Don from Dove Levine is what we just heard. Before that, Shalom Aleichem from Achva, two uh, oldies. Coming up, we'll hear Nisim Black. Adored is the name of his latest track. And uh, he is a remarkable guy, and this is a beautiful song. Uh, so we'll hear that. And then, something a little long for uh, for Adar, Purim Jazz Mix from Barry Weber, also coming up here at JM in the AM. So uh, stay tuned and uh, enjoy. Schlock Rock in concert this Sunday, March 6th at 3.30 in, drumroll please, Fairlawn, New Jersey, at the Darche Noam Shul, 10-04 Alexander Avenue in Fairlawn. For information uh, about sponsoring, you can email aryetief103 at gmail.com, A-R-Y-E-H-T-I-E-F-103 at gmail.com. Otherwise, I guess you can show up, and uh, I assume they'll be taking payment at the door. Um, I haven't heard otherwise. If you want information about uh, what Lenny is up to, Lenny is on a uh, is working on his Four Corners project to spread uh, his message. And you can go to four, the number four, cornersproject.org, fourcornersproject.org, and get information about uh, what Lenny and Schlockrock are doing. And they are in concert in Fairlawn this Sunday. So enjoy. Uh, let's see. We are, uh, it's cold out there. Have you been out yet today? 19 degrees, sunny skies right now. There is some wind, so it feels like 11. We're expecting a high today of about 40, so it is going to warm up. 
53 right now in Jerusalem, and again, 19 here in northern New Jersey. Nachum is off. My name is Mayor Ferding, and let's continue with Nisim at your Jewish moment, Nisim Black with Adored at your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. I want to move closer, but I don't control it I know I've been trying, the door isn't open I know it sounds funny, but really though In the beginning, we really close Now we just cruising up on the coast Don't want to lose you, I really don't My God, I'm working so hard I let my guards down and I'm feeling so far You won't cut me off and I'm ready to grow And I'm ready to know you more Please, I honestly say I'm a chore It ain't my decision, it's yours But I will persuade with my arm Cause I'm ready to run to your arms I just want you to know that I wanna go to a place where I find you, a place I call home, a place where I'm not alone, and maybe I'll grow just a little bit more, and I'll be a dog. Your presence, I'm above the world, there isn't much better But then I fall levels and levels below it Don't know where I'm going, don't know where I'm holding I say I gave up, but I know I didn't It's just my frustration, I'm only human I act like I know what I'm really doing As long as it's you that I'm really choosing I will never give up, no, I wanna do it your way You're the king of the world, only wanna do what you say I know that it's possible to give back my heart to you I just want you to know Please don't ignore me, please just adore me Wanna be closer to you I just wanna make you happy A shining light looking right at me I give to you gladly, that's my reaction I just want you to know That I wanna go To a place where I find you A place I call home A place where I'm not alone And maybe I'll grow Just a little bit
mission possible. Well, what do you think, Sergeant? How much longer do we think we'll have to wait? I don't know, Corporal. But let's go over the plan again. You put the dynamite under the center of the bridge. Right. And the plunger's here beside me. Push that and the whole bridge goes. Now remember, when the car with NASA in it gets to the center of the bridge, that's when we blow it up. But Sergeant, NASA was supposed to pass over the bridge at one o'clock this afternoon. What time is it now? Ten o'clock. It's ten o'clock. Shh, quiet. You mean he's nine hours late? Yeah, but what are you so worried about? I hope nothing happened to him. <laughs>
jazz mix i wish we had time for the whole thing right now that's really good um but i'm sure we'll have another opportunity to play that between now and purim and uh hope you enjoyed before that we heard uh mission possible from the yiddish are coming and adored by nisim black really really like that song very very nice what a talent if you don't know who nisim black is uh, you should uh, google him and uh learn about his fascinating story as well as his uh, his uh, journey to Judaism, I guess you could call it. Uh, coming up now, uh, Harry Rothenberg. We are always pleased to have his thoughts on the uh, Torah portion of the week, the Parsha. And uh, here is Harry Rothenberg. And blessings from the Holy Land. Always great to be back in Israel, especially on the first day of the new month of Adar Bez, the second time we're celebrating Adar this year because it's a leap year. The rabbis explain that each one of the 12 months of the Jewish calendar corresponds to one of the 12 tribes, which raises the obvious question, who gets Adar in a leap year when it comes twice? Some say the answer is obvious. It's the tribe of Yosef, who was split into two tribes through his sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And, not so well known, we do believe in the spiritual powers of the zodiac, the constellations that correspond to each of the 12 months. And the constellation that corresponds to Adar is the fish, Think Pisces, for those of you who read horoscopes, which you shouldn't be reading. Yosef's also connected to the fish, because we're told that Yosef, like the fish that swim underwater, is not subject to the harmful effects of the Ayanhara, the evil eye. And think about what's coming up in a couple weeks, the holiday of Purim. The tribe of Binyamin has a starring role. Mordechai, one of Binyamin's descendants, is one of the protagonists in Megillus Esther, the Purim story. And the tribe of Levi also has a role. As the sages explain, 
when Haman cast the lots, the poor, to pick the month and the day when he was going to exterminate the Jewish people, he was so happy when it fell in the month of Adar because he knew his Jewish history. He knew that our leader Moshe from the tribe of Levi had died in Adar. So he thought that that was a bad sign for the Jewish people and therefore a good sign for him. What he didn't know was that Moshe had also been born in Adar. So it was an equally good sign. It was a wash, it wasn't bad or good. But think about Yosef. Adar is Yosef's month. You could almost imagine God up in heaven, God who decided where that lot was going to land, saying, all right, Haman, you've picked Adar to try to kill the Jews. How interesting. Adar is the month of Yosef. Yosef was the one tribe that was cast out into exile, had to face Herculean tests. Every day, his master's wife trying to seduce him. Then he had to raise children in the most decadent society in the world as the leader in that society, the second in command. And he did it. He overcame all those challenges and managed to keep the commandments, thereby gaining for himself and for his descendants, for the Jewish people, incalculable merit. So you think you're going to wipe out the Jewish people in exile during the month of Yosef? the paradigm for the Jewish people for how to properly act in exile? I want to wish you the best of luck. Me versus you, pal. Let's see who's going to win this one. And so Yosef may have a significant but hidden role in the Purim story. And it's not a surprise because every one of us has someone or more than someone up in heaven who without us even knowing it may well play an outsized role in our lives. The rabbis say that any Jew who didn't have the benefit, didn't have the fortune to grow up with any Jewish education or tradition, who later, through what seems like a series of fortuities or coincidences, is given that opportunity, and they avail themselves of it without question. That person had a parent or a grandparent or a great-grandparent advocating for them up in heaven, pulling on God's coattails, as it were, saying, give my kid Give my grandkid, give my great-grandkid a chance.
day war Looking on Yom Kippur And so many more When our backs are against the wall You raise us up I remember when the scuds rained down And when you shielded us from water cloud When it seems like it's all against our hearts You raise us up Nala Nisim ve'ala Purkan Gvurot ve'ala chuot Shasita lavotenu Bayamim ha'em bazman hazeh Nalanisim ve'ala purkan Ala gvurot ve'ala chuot Shasita lavotenu Bayamim ha'em bazman hazeh Bayamim ha'em Man has it. השולחן ערוך, תמונות ילדות על הקיר, שיירות לבנות חוזרות מבית כנסת. והריח הזה, ששורט לי את הלב, מתקנב, מתקנב, פותח דלתות. אין לו שיר קטן, אין אותו שיר ישר, שעובר אצלנו במשך דורות. מתנות קטנות, מישהו שלח לי מתנות קטנות, בסיסים של כוונה, עיגולים של אמונה, מתנות קטנות, מישהו שלח לי מתנות קטנות, כמו הכוח לקבל את מה שאין, את מה שיש. מה עוד אפשר כבר לבקש? כפיים, כפיים, כפיים! זה עוד יום שישי, מרפסת ביתו, שמש כמו הדאגות לאט נמחקת. מנגינות פשוטות זוחלות מהחלום. בשום שערה כבר לא תסתיר פה את השקט. אתם! מתנות קטנות! בסיסים של כוונה, עיגולים של אמונה. מתנות קטנות! מישהו שלח לי מתנות קטנות. כמו הכוח לקבל את מה שאין, את מה שיש, מה עוד אפשר כבר לבקש? מתנות קטנות. 
It is Friday, March 4th, 2022, Arab Shabbos, Parshas Pekudeh, Rosh Chodesh Adar Bez, 5782, candle lighting, 532 in the New York area. Check it. Check out where it is exactly where you are. Nachum is off. My name is Mayor Fertig. Thank you so much for starting your day with JM and the AM, celebrating Rosh Chodesh, uh, preparing for Shabbos. We appreciate it. Rami Kleinstein with Avraham Fried with Matanot, Matanot Kitanot uh, just now. Stay tuned. Coming up, weekly update with our good friend Malcolm Honline of the Conference of Presidents. That's coming up momentarily here at, uh, here at JM in the AM. And uh, we hope you'll stay tuned for that. Daf Yomi today, Hagiga Chaf Dalid, Mishneh Yomi, Demai, Perak Gimel, Mishnayos 4 and 5, Dalid and Hay, and the Nach Yomi for today. Shoftim, Perak Chaf, that's 20. That's the uh, Nach Yomi for today. And it's always lovely uh, to uh, take every opportunity available to uh, keep up on some Torah learning. Malcolm Holmline is the conference of Pre- is the uh, executive vice chair of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, and uh, he joins uh, Nachum every week for the weekly update, or most weeks, I should say. And uh, today, I get to fill in. I haven't done this in about twenty years. Good morning, Malcolm. How are you? Uh, good morning, Mayor. It's good to be with you. I only wish for uh, Shalema to to our regular host. But I'm glad yes. that you're uh, there to fill in, and we should all remind, remember him on our tefillah today and tomorrow, and uh, wish everybody a good Chodesh, good Shabbos. Right. We need it. We don't want to scare, don't want to scare anybody. He's he's yeah. just he's staying off his feet and getting some rest. I don't want anybody That's to all, get but, too, uh, but, too concerned. But it can't hurt. You know. No, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> prayer always helps. So there is so much. Uh, speaking of prayer, there's so much going on in the world right now, as, as there often is. But uh, you know, we've we've uh, pinballed from uh, from uh, pandemic to war, and uh, the the uh, certainly the potential to for that to uh, to uh, become a much larger conflagration. God forbid. Um, and there's so much misinformation about what's going on as people follow the uh, Russian invasion into uh, into Ukraine. So, uh, Mr. Holine, from your standpoint, you're plugged into so much. What is the best info you have right now on the state of the war, how Ukraine is doing, what Russia is up to? Share with us. Okay, so we, we have tried to be in touch uh, really around the clock every day with communities there, with people there, with experts uh, both in Ukraine and outside of the Ukraine, who uh, because there is such a 
an overload of information and much of it not correct. And it's, you know, what they call the fog of war. It's inevitable, but it's, it's true. And it's true even in reports on the Jewish community and reports generally. Uh, it is safe to say the situation is terrible and uh, getting worse as the days drag on. It'll be harder for communities to provide. Many of them stockpiled food, water, other things. Uh, it's more difficult because it's hard to move outside. It's harder to move people on the roads are, are clogged and bridges have been destroyed. Although people are continuing to move, there is a, an agreement to create a safe corridor, uh, but both sides would not shell. Um, we don't know yet how that will work out, but right now there's a commitment to allow humanitarian relief in and to let people out. Uh, more than a million people have left, most to Poland, but also some to Romania, to Moldova. We have uh, entire groups of Jews who have, who have uh, left. Men between 18 and 60 are not permitted to leave the country. They have to go back to fight. So they families are being uh, divided. The uh, the numbers uh, of refugees is, is estimated to go up to 4 million, 3 million plus, uh, which is a huge uh, oh, burden uh, on a lot of the countries. Uh, remember that a lot of the Jews in in Ukraine are older and have been serviced by different community centers, by different groups. You have a network of Chabad, you have Atzala there, we have um, the JDC uh, on the ground. Uh, banks are closed, so people, even to transfer funds, has to be people who are well-established and are able to, to take the money and to make sure that it's used properly. Uh, the, the, I spoke yesterday with the ambassador of the Ukraine, and she informed me that 9,000 Russian soldiers have been killed. And this is huge. That, that uh, is, that, that's really confirmed? That's... She said that's a Ministry of Defense number, uh, which is, I guess, as authoritative as you can get. Again, right. we know that it's difficult and both sides will, will, will um, say things to their advantage, but she's pretty reliable. She, she is reliable. Right, I think right. the number coming from the Ministry of Defense is, is reliable to a degree. Uh, but, you know, for Russia, this is a big issue. Russia has tolerance for a lot of stuff, but not for body bags. And we remember it from Chechnya, remember it from Syria even more, where they dispose the bodies rather than has having the scenes of body bags coming back. And yeah. the, there are reports of that already in the Ukraine as well. So the Russians, who expected, I think, a blitzkrieg attack, are bogged down. The soldiers don't seem to be uh, highly motivated. Uh, there are reports that soldiers are selling the fuel from their tanks and car and vehicles to neighbors, and then saying that trucks have broke down. The um, this convoy of thirty miles has largely seemed to be stuck. Uh, the roads, which were they thought would be frozen, are very muddy. Uh, all of these are factors which explain some of the on the ground uh, developments. The hitting of of the nuclear reactor today is uh, first of all, it's a very dangerous thing because a wrong shot or something going wrong there could have released uh, radioactivity. That is not the case. It did not, and there's no evidence of any uh, radioactive. Um, uh, leaks as a result of the attacks. I'm giving an array of issues to give people a sense of how complex, how many things are going on simultaneously. Uh, the, the, the multiplicity of aid that is coming into 
now into the Ukraine, Germany sending weapons, others sending weapons. At the same time, Belarus saying they're going to come in on the side of Russia. Um, Russia doesn't have too many allies in, in the world. Uh, China so far has stayed out of it. But it's a huge investment in a country whose economy is the size of Italy. We forget that Russia uh, is a superpower because of oil. Without the oil, they would be the, they have an economy the size of Holland. And the, the um, impact that this will have, and especially the sanctions, where the ruble has lost more than half of its value. Think of, of if your dollar purchasing price, which is suffering sure. under the inflation, we see sure. it here on a small scale, they're being impacted. And, you know, the, the, it could jeopardize Putin's rule. It could uh, react, uh, cause domestic reaction. And uh, the, the uh, sanctions against the oligarchs, in whom he's reliant and who play such a critical role there. And unfortunately, there are good people who are being sanctioned as well. That um, right. these are all factors that are going to determine what the course in the next couple of days will be. Well, when you when you point out so astutely that uh, without oil, Russia's economy would even would be even more constricted than it is. It begs the question: Why are or are is this actually true that countries are still continuing to pay Russia for oil, where they're essentially funding his war and funding it first of all at a very high price when oil is at least $105. By the way, Iran benefited from it as well. And part of the reason why they're playing games in Vienna is because the price of oil is so high. They had a $25 billion windfall this past year, three quarters of it to China in oil sales because the price kept going up. Russia is the major beneficiary. They're the largest exporter of oil in the world, oil and gas. And uh, so they are benefiting from the higher prices. The problem is that there's a shortage of supply. And while Nord Stream is off the, the supply line that was supposed to go through Germany, and Germany canceled it, um, the, uh, the energy is still necessary to cold winter, and, and it's not a time when people can do without uh, heat, uh, but it will be much more limited. And people are looking for alternative sources. Israel and the Middle East could become one of them. Uh, that's what people are pressing now about a pipeline. We, we canceled, if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, the Mediterranean, Eastern Mediterranean yes. pipeline was done very inelegantly. Um, whether it was economically viable or not, we don't know. But we know that it was canceled, and instead right. they're doing electric grid. Grid. So that was there. Was there any U.S. Was there any U.S. pressure involved in that cancellation? I, I saw something that said it was, but I didn't necessarily. It was strictly it. U.S. It was strictly U.S. It was U.S. decision. It was not meant to be leaked. They say that it was a white paper. But the fact is that they were going to cancel. They say it's economically not viable. It's a $6 billion project or something. But at the same time, the electric grid, which is a billion-dollar project, was approved because the Europeans decided to go ahead. Uh, the biggest problem with the, it was the way it was announced that the, uh, that the participating countries, Israel, Greece, Cyprus, were not notified. And they found out about it in, a, in an unfortunate way. So, but it, the, the point is that you put pressure. We should have just at least left it on the table that the Russians and others know that we have alternatives. The more we eliminate alternatives, like doing away with the Keystone Pipeline and others, some argue, send the messages that we're going to be more reliant, or at least our allies will be more reliant on, on their oil. And the, the price keep go, keeps going up. And I, I think that... Um, 
that we, we, you know, we, we have to continue to search. People say, you know, solar and all that, it's not going to fill the gap. Right. Certainly not in the short term. Do you, do you see any, have you heard any indications that the president might reverse himself on the Keystone pipeline? And if he were to do that, if he were to do that, what time, what time frame is there to finish building it out? So there have been such reports. There were members of Congress who, who are pressing for it, mostly Republicans, um, but I think others who, who uh, I actually am in favor of it and, and believe that, that we should go back and find uh, and, and utilize America's domestic resources. We're, we're an exporter, we became a net ex- exporter of energy. And just tapping the reserves is not a solution to the problem. We need to find the longer term solutions and the Keystone Pipeline could be, I would hope that at least be revisited. Uh, I know that there are good arguments or mental arguments, others against it, but I think we have to look in a practical and pragmatic way to see how we protect the environment, the the land and all those uh, areas, but at the same time, assure our security. We cannot become dependent again. We cannot allow others to be dependent. Um, It hurt our relationships with Canada and with others uh, by the way it was done. So I hope it's, um, it's something on the agenda at least. Right. Um, moving on, moving sort of back to, uh, the, the battlefield as it were, um, Israel is between a rock and a hard place, uh, in terms of how it is, uh, at least publicly been approaching the subject of supporting the Ukraine, uh, because of its relationship with Russia, because of the Russian, you know, uh, forces, you know, on Israel's border. Um, what is uh, what, what is the latest on that? And do you, do you see any anything more to come? Do you think Israel might uh, adjust its position at all? Israel has adjusted its position. In the beginning, it, it was um, more nuanced in the way Bennett spoke. And you saw that Lapid mm-hmm. came out in a much right. more forceful statement. The international pressure, including from the United States, uh, resulted in, the, in, in, I think, some of the change in tone. But for Israel, this, there, there are special considerations. People have to remember, you know, while it's, po- it's, it's posited as a superpower, it's a small country. Right. And it's reliant on a lot of things that, you know, United States can do, others can do. They're not facing, you know, Hamas, Hezbollah, uh, and, and um, Islamic Jihad, as well as the Syrian situation. Russia controls the skies in Syria. And till now, Israel's had more or less freedom of action. That could be easily closed off. Israel, uh, Russia has the rockets there, the missiles, et cetera. Uh, they already started, you saw in the UN, to say, well, we're not going to recognize Jerusalem. We're not going to recognize sovereignty over the Golan. Uh, there are a lot of things that Russia can do. Again, I think you have to take moral stance. I think you have to stick to principle. Uh, it's what we would expect of others, and, and people expect it. But we also have to be practical. Israel has 800,000 Jews in Russia to worry about. Right. There are 300,000 Jews in the Ukraine estimated. And so Israel doesn't just worry about what's in or on its borders. It has to worry about its responsibilities and is doing a great deal for the Jews in Ukraine and has spoken up with Zelensky. And it's easy for, and I was disappointed that Lindsey Graham went public with an attack uh, on Israel now that moderated it because Israel didn't vote in the UN, et cetera. But mm-hmm. still, that, that does damage. And, and now we see the linkage that some of the media is making when they talk about uh, the Palestinian issue with the Ukrainian issue, when there's no similarity whatsoever, right. no connection whatsoever. But once you introduce it, you know, and of course we knew they were going <clears> to <throat> try to exploit 
The issue is right. they do everything else against Israel. There's there's no issue that the Palestinians or their apologists won't try to make about themselves. I mean, that's, that's right. And remember, the, life. The, the president of, of Ukraine is, is Jewish, right. and very and openly and proudly Jewish. Yeah. Prime Minister, the defense minister, the mayor of Kiev <clears throat> is at least partially Jewish. I've met them all. I met them just two months ago at the 80th anniversary of the Babi Yar massacre. Right. Um, which I, I participated in and, and got to meet them and see them and uh, talk to them about, uh, 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 and nobody had on their mind that this kind of thing uh, would happen. You know, Zelensky's popularity was very low before the war, and now right. this uh, elevated. Also, you see a revival of NATO, you know, people looking again at NATO and saying, maybe we really do have to rebuild it because the response of the West is so weak that sends right. the wrong wrong uh, message. And years ago, Putin said he didn't care if Ukraine joined the NATO. He didn't care about all these things. Now, he's he's made it a, a uh, the cause celeb for the the uh, causes Belak for this uh, conflict, and the the uh, uh, ramifications of this are, are not short term. A lot of people are going to look at it. We don't know what China's interpretation of the Western reaction is and right. how long it took to, to do it. But one has to credit, though, the administration with the ability to mobilize the vote, 141 countries in the UN, and also the economic sanctions that are being imposed. I don't see how a country lasts long term without access to SWIFT. And I mean, there are some alternatives, but they're, they're small compared to the access to the banking system and, and the right. dollar, the, uh, the flights that, that their planes can't fly over Europe or the United States, that so many things that will be limited is uh, for an economy that is uh, was teetering before, this can be devastating and could cause a reaction against Putin in Russia. Do you think that he may actually be in some jeopardy? I mean, we, we've seen reports of that uh, that oligarch who uh, put a million dollars on his head. Um, I don't know how much play that may have gotten in Russia. I think they're probably pretty good at clamping down on things like that. Um, or are they? Uh, do you think that that could be a factor? That somebody could actually go after him? I think that uh, I, I, he didn't put it. He put a, a reward for his capture, not his murder. Uh, uh, the, the, the original, I think the original post on Facebook had sort of like a dead or alive poster, like one of those yeah, but, old but Western things. He changed it, right. But yeah. he, 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 essentially his offer was, so if anybody wants to go out and get him, you know, you don't kill him, just capture him and have right. him removed. Uh, wink, uh, wink. But, <laughs> but uh, could it? Yes. I mean, you know, if the numbers of casualties are true and the messages start going back, if they see that they're bogged down, in a in a guerrilla warfare where the soldiers themselves don't want to fight and and say this is not what we we were coming what we were told we were getting into many of them thought it was going to be like crimea you know you just come around mm -hmm. surround it it's yours or dumbass this is not the case and right. you know ukraine is not a small country and the people there are 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 tough and and will fight and i think the the there's a, a reckoning that will come at some point uh, and, and he's very strong, Putin. He's very shrewd. He's um, the question is what what happened? What what is his drive and why he doesn't? He, I mean, he had the opportunity when he was surrounded them with one hundred fifty thousand troops to negotiate something without having the cost. Whether he thought he was going to be able to do a quick blitzkrieg strike against Ukraine, get what he wanted, and you know overthrow the government, which is one of his goals. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll know when the books are written, 
But right, right now, he's 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 in a situation that is a lot tougher than what he anticipated. What do you think his actual motivation is? Is it that he is you know, what he's talking about in terms of NATO and uh, not wanting a NATO country right on his border? Or is it natural resources? Is it wanting to rebuild the glory of the former Soviet Union? What do you think is actually motivating him? Your best guess. Well, he certainly does want to rebuild the, the former Soviet Union, even if he doesn't take over the countries. What he did in, in Kazakhstan when they had the uprising and he sent in troops and they calmed it and he re- withdrew. But the mark was left <laughs> that when you the stabilizing force and the power to reckon with is Russia. Uh, he has put pressure on all the former Soviet Union countries constantly, economic and political, et cetera, pressures. He, he does have a vision of wanting to, and he thinks it was a mistake for, for uh, them to pull out and to break up the Soviet Union. I think he, he would like, before he finishes his term, look, he's 22 years in power, I think, that um, he resurrected the, the former Soviet Union in some way. But Ukraine is a special, a special thing, you know, the people uh, and, and the flirtations of Ukraine with the West, with NATO, with any of the other arrangements, including asking to become part of the EU. And not only that, but Moldova and others, which all of which he sees then as the West creeping in to his backyard, and he likens it to them coming into Cuba, to South America, which they are. And, you know, it, one of the unfortunate things of these developments is we're seeing immense developments in South America to which people pay almost no attention. Country mm-hmm. by country is falling to anti-American, anti-Israel forces. Um, it, it, the election in Chile, the election uh, likely right. in, in uh, it was certainly in Argentina, but the likely one will come in um, in, uh, in Colombia, in in uh, uh, Brazil, where really pro- Brazil Israel, too, pro Jewish, pro Jewish guys are going to be facing very serious and the prognosis not positive, not optimistic about their chances for re-election. But then you add Nicaragua, Bolivia, Ecuador, uh, Venezuela. All these countries have fallen. We are seeing a whole continent on our border, and you know the Iranians and others take advantage of this all the time. There's a, a network of schools that they established that um, is uh, training people, recruiting, uh, and uh, both uh, imposing the Iran ideological argument. Uh, it's called the Amustafa mm-hmm. um, International University. And while this may seem like a detail, it has branches in 50 countries, and they inaugurated a big center uh, uh, in the Bolivarian, uh, the Venezuela University in Caracas, our Treasury Department already sanctioned them two years ago. Uh, it's a propaganda operation and uh, for Iran. And now they have, uh, they're enrolling non-Iranian students to indoctrinate them, to make them Shia clerics, disseminate their messages. And they, they train tens of thousands of students, including um, foreign current, uh, converts. So this right. is... Uh, Iranian funding, et cetera. So while we're all focused on one thing, we don't seem to have the attention, the ability to pay attention to more than one crisis at a time. Vienna is being overlooked, which is a big mistake because the deal that's emerging from there is terrible. 
I wanted to ask you about that in a second. I'll just uh, recap for people. We're speaking with Malcolm Holmline, the executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. You're tuned to America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored digital radio around the world on the web, NahumSiegel.com on the NahumSiegel Network and on the wonderful NSN app. Nahum has today off. He is uh, staying off his feet to recover from something, and uh, he will, God willing, be back shortly. Uh, my name is Mayor Fertig, and uh, Malcolm, you were starting to talk about the uh, Iran uh, nuclear negotiations. Uh, what What is the state of that? And we've been hearing, I've been seeing online some alarming things about uh, who is pushing for something that may be coming very soon that may be very bad. So the negotiations, um, we don't have all the details because they're, they're being kept quiet and because the events in um, Ukraine have so overshadowed uh, the talks, but they're not stopping. In the meantime, they came back with very hardline demands. And we believe that Russia is, by the way, playing a critical role on the, in the Iranian internal discussions, as well as dominating the talks in, in Vienna. And the Iranians came back with uh, more demands. It looks like they're reaching a, a deal that would provide them with billions of dollars of relief. This would not be the extension of JCPOA. It would be the Forschweiser. It would be the introduction to the next step. But, the, but the, the sanctions removal, et cetera, and then they would limit to 5% enrichment. The problem is that once you allow 5%, it's just a jump to, to reinstitute back up to 60, let alone 90%, which is weapons grade. We know that once you have the know-how, you can't take that back. They are also, and this is the big sticking issue now, is they're saying that they won't allow the International Atomic Energy Agency to inspect both undisclosed sources at disclosed places where traces of uranium were found. And uh, they had agreed to it, and now they're reneging on that and saying they will not allow them to come in. This is a, a game breaker for the, uh, the U.S. and Europe, I hope. Uh, because without that, you don't really know. As it is, we don't know what secret facilities they have. What we do know is that they enriched way beyond the limit they were supposed to at a higher percentage uh, that uh, of enrichment than they were supposed to. They are testing ballistic missiles, which they're not supposed to, and under the guise of a domestic space program. And they're working on the weaponization. So the breakout time, people say, could be three weeks, could be three months, whatever it is, it's a short time. And the, the provisions of the JCPOA are gonna start sunsetting, meaning they're, they're limited in time, and the Iranians will just wait it out, and then the, the, the restrictions on them uh, would be limited. The United States, and unfortunately, uh, it seems, and the Europeans did not take a strong stand in, in the beginning, and they kept saying, you know, the deadline was February 1st, and it was this, now they're saying this week is the deadline, and the Iranians keep using this time both to enrich and to advance their program. And at the same time, they see the building pressure. Now, Ukraine, other things is, you know, takes away the, the presence, the attention. And they, they will exploit every, every loophole, every opportunity. And I think we have to understand that the, the removal of the sanctions against the IRGC people, against some of the, those who were named, people who were terrorists and involved in Iran's terrorist activities, and $7 billion will help Hamas, Hezbollah, all of the terrorist entities, the Houthis, uh, in their uh, activities. It doesn't go to benefit the Iranian people. That seems to be a, uh, a common theme in that part of the world about doing things uh, that don't benefit their people. Um, 
the uh, as these negotiations, so to speak, go forward, and you you said that the U.S. and apparently uh, Europe uh, is, is just you know plowing forward. Is there why don't they? seem to be taking into account the fact that at the end of the day, Israel is really unlikely to allow the, I mean, the, the prime minister has said it. He's, they're just going to do their, what they have to do. And they're not going to allow, you know, this existential threat to come to fruition. Um, are they taking that into account at all? Do they care? Do they believe him? I think they believe that they, they, they understand why it's essential for Israel. They keep, paying lip service to that. Um, uh, we haven't seen Israel being given the Buster Bombers, the, the B- right, 52 the Bombers, bombers. or the Buster uh, Bunker, Buster bunker bombs. Bombers. Bunker Bombers. Uh, yeah, bunker Buster Bombers, a big, better <laughs> America. Blah, 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 blah. Um, uh, so they haven't, uh, uh, but Israel is taking all the necessary steps and pre- preparation. They cannot allow Iran to go nuclear. But when you want to attack a reactor, let's say, and I'm mm-hmm. saying they are. I'm saying if they would, you can't do it once it's hot, once it's activated, because then you have radiation emissions right. that as both we, there and it floats across the, the region. Today. And it floats across the region. It doesn't stay right. in one place. Uh, so the and and Iran is not a, a small power. They also can activate all the terrorists around. Uh, you know, Hezbollah with 150,000 missiles and right. more guidance systems, more precision uh, with drones, with other things as we've seen. Uh, from Syria, from Iraq, from Yemen, the the drones that they have in Yemen can hit Israel, southern mm-hmm. Israel, and of course in Gaza, with tens of thousands of missiles, we've seen what they could do. So for Israel, it's a huge decision, maybe a necessary one, like OC Iraq, when everybody you know right. screamed and yelled, and then everybody had to pay homage to Israel when Saddam Hussein didn't have a nuclear weapon to to respond right. to and kill our troops. We cannot allow Iran to have a nuclear weapon. And President uh, Biden, like all others, are saying that we're not going to allow it, we're not going to allow it. But the problem is that they're creating all the conditions for it. They break the deal. And in six months, all of a sudden, we're facing a nuclear Iran. Right. Uh, and and again, Iran's economy is collapsing. More than 50% of young people unemployed. The, 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 um, their reality currency is 10% of what it was. The only thing that's saving them is the high price of oil. The, the, which they trade primarily with China, as I mentioned. They have minor exports. They, they uh, are spending money on their um, army, and, but not on the people. The drought covers more than half the country, very significantly more. People have left all the villages and stuff, moved into the cities because there's no water there, uh, so, which means agriculture is dying too. Wow. There are so many factors, which I, I don't want to bore everybody with now, but they... I mean, their country, and that's why the economic sanctions were so powerful. And the people said, we'll suffer for it. I talk to people in Iran regularly, and they said, we'll take the additional sanctions. Don't worry about the consequences of us if it topples this regime, which is so oppressive right. to them. And, and you know, the, the uh, Khamenei is old. We don't know how long he'll last and what kind of fight there will be. Right. You see, it was called, quote, a, a hard, harder line. They're all hard line. It's just right. a little tougher. But you see that guys who are responsible for the Amiya bombings being rehabilitated, you see that, mm-hmm. that, I mean, all the signals that this is an extremist regime and we know what their goals are. And the America should be worried about this. You know, as a, that's why I cited South America. 
because Iran is activating a lot of these things. They're building the cells there. They could attack America for an hour and a half off our coast or two hours from our coast. This is not hypothetical. And right. so what happens in Iran will have ramifications for American security, for European security. They have the missiles to deliver now to most of Europe, uh, uh, ballistic missiles. And they, they will, they're moving, working now that they'll be able to hit the United States directly. It's something most people can't even fathom. Like, we don't even think about that. And the Philippines now wants to start a nuclear energy program. Everybody's looking at this and saying, we're not going to be left behind. And, right. and as soon as they have it, do you think Saudi Arabia, think the others are going to not, uh, demand Egypt to have a nuclear program? And they can buy it from Pakistan. They'll buy it from others. Or they all have, uh, Egypt has very good scientists. They'll right. be able to, to develop these things on their own. Um, in, in terms of the missile threat potentially to Israel, uh, potentially we see we've seen it so many times over the last number of years. Uh, they're said to be de- de- uh, to be developing a a um, laser a, a laser. Thank you, a laser alternative to Iron Dome. What? How? I'm sure it's real, but how far out is that? How far along the development track is that? Well, it's not real uh, yet, but mm-hmm. it it is expected by the end of the year that they will have the ability. You know, the problem now is when you shoot Iron Dome, you have to shoot two rockets. It costs $100,000 right. to take down a $1,000 rocket that they, you know, assemble from cutting down the street posts and right. you know, putting together these crude <laughs> rockets uh, now with guidance systems and stuff. So, and they're becoming more and more powerful yeah. and have longer distance. So it's critical. Uh, but with laser, it would cost $200 to take down a $1,000 uh, uh, rocket. So, the, uh, this is a priority for Israel right now. There are many agencies, particularly Rafael, that's working on it, but there are other companies that are now being formed. Uh, the prime minister spoke about it, but he was really, uh, it was a prospective statement. It wasn't a, a <laughs> statement of a current uh, capacity, uh, but it's a very important one. And uh, I know companies that are working on it and others who are developing unique approaches to this. And uh, God willing, uh, they say that by the end of the year, they'll have at least the prototype or something uh, operational to to see, and that Remarkable. that's a game changer, right? Because you know so, when, it they, when you're like facing the- 150,000 missiles from from Lebanon and they can fire four or five thousand a day, you know what it takes to. I mean, Israel they can't produce enough uh, Iron Dome missiles to to take it down. All of right. the uh, well, as we saw, they were coming. dependent. Israel was dependent on the U.S. restocking them. Exactly that whole that whole argument. Um, w- w- on the subject of weapons, and I think with this we'll probably conclude, unless there's something else that you uh, that you want to discuss. Um, going back to the Ukraine uh, crisis, um, one of the things that Israel, I guess, has an option to do or could do to help Ukraine without, uh, you know, w- w- without you know something really truly overt, is to sort of look the other way about transfers of Israeli weapon technology that other countries have bought. Is that something that could be on the table? Sort of. Uh, you know, easier to apologize later than to ask for permission now. Uh, say it again, that Israel will do what? That Israel could allow other countries that have purchased Israeli weapons to transfer those weapons. For instance, people have said, uh, well, why didn't they send Iron Dome? Uh, because that would be like declaring war on Russia. Um, you know, but but Israel has other weapons out in the field that other countries have purchased that could theoretically um, be transferred to Ukraine, you know, right. with, I guess, needing Israeli permission formally. But could they just look the other way? Because that's something that could happen. That absolutely is something that could happen. By the way, Iron Dome is not appropriate because it doesn't respond to the missile threat that Ukraine faces. 
So mm-hmm. Iron Dome is not, and Israel is not the only source. Why, why isn't everybody else sending Iron Domes? Why is it Israel's responsibility uh, to provide? They did ask for Stinger missiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Israel has tried not to get involved in arms supply. You know, many of the countries in Europe and others didn't, when Israel was fighting against Palestinian terrorism and, and the Espadas and the wars, that they, they did not provide weapons, saying, well, we're sure. not going to get involved and take side. All of a sudden, Israel has to, is, right. is uh, positioned that it's somehow the responsible party. Germany didn't sell weapons until recently. And mm-hmm. or provide weapons, and so did many others. And I don't think Israel would stand in the way if somebody who bought it from them decides to to use it. It's not their decision, but the uh, you know this this uh, constantly placing the onus on Israel, and we'll, we'll have to see you know when this is done what what the reaction is. We see rises of anti-Semitism, and you know Ukraine is not immune to anti-Semitism from its past history. Right. We have not seen those manifestations, and the fact that the president is Jewish. I think, you know, the claim of denazification, which is a term that they used after the Nuremberg trials and in the uh, post-war Germany, the United States and the Allies did a process called denazification. So it's not something he made up. Right. Uh, and and uh, but clearly there's no evidence that that the Ukraine is uh, <laughs> needs needs denazification when you have, uh, you know, Jews in prominent positions. And we have not seen outbreaks of anti-Semitism. I've asked about it. Um, quite the opposite. You see the Jews being recruited to the army and being requested and that uh, public um, support and stuff has not, not been impacted. So the, the um, you know, but the, this placing the onus on a little country that has so many problems of its own, I mean, challenges of its own. I understand the moral position. I think Israel has to do it, has to stand up to it. Um, Putin, I guess, will understand because everybody else is is on that side. He he feels close or as a support that he's a supporter of Israel and has supported us in, in not limiting the freedom of action in Syria, et cetera. Right. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're, that's what governments have to make choices. And this was a very difficult one. It seems like some of this pressure on Israel, of course, is driven by media reports and, you know, reporters choosing to write about it. You know, they're not writing necessarily a long article about Hungary, you know, not allowing weapons to traverse its uh, its, its territory, but they're happy to write an article about Israel and, you know, what it has or hasn't done. Right. Israel is news, but also you have a big eternal debate in Israel, which makes news, so they pick it up. You still have more reporters, you know, I think in right. Israel than you have in any of the peripheral countries there, right. and certainly in, not in Ukraine. So, you know, we're, we're juicy news, and we just have to recognize right. that. Right. There are probably more reporters, like, in uh, two neighborhoods in Jerusalem than in the whole Hungary. So, probably anyway. two and still and waiting for any kind of issue there, despite the uh, the focus on, uh, on Ukraine. But, again, we should not lose sight of what's happening in Vienna. We should not lose sight of what's happening in other places. We have to have the capacity to walk and chew gum and deal with more than one issue at a time. Right. And uh, hopefully, you know, that that will be the case because there's a lot at stake. Right. Well, China's probably just, you know, taking notes very carefully to see exactly how the international community reacts. And then, uh, you know, Taiwan could be toast. That it's very realistic uh, assessment that everybody will read this and determine now to what degree can you rely on the West if you're an ally, to what degree... Do you, you know, one of the things that Putin did was to demonstrate that he's a reliable friend, you know, like he stands up for his friends, Syria, others, mm-hmm. um, and and always highlights that the West doesn't, that we pulled out our ships from the Gulf or we did other things 
to say that the United States is not a reliable ally. The United States is. We stood, uh, and, and Israel certainly proved it in the war in Azerbaijan with the, and in other conflicts. Uh, but, you know, the image that gets created and people don't feel they can rely on them and when they're in, in very difficult straits, it affects then their future policy and, and where they will stand. Well, so look, look all, at all of this has long-term ramifications. Yes, Afghanistan right. sent a very powerful message. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Well, I, uh, I thank you very much. I, um, I don't think I've had the, uh, the pleasure and honor of uh, having this kind of conversation with you on the air in, I, I think, about 15 or 20 years. So I, I've certainly enjoyed the opportunity. And uh, I thank you very much. Will you be uh, with yeah. Nachum next Friday, God willing? Uh, next Friday, I may be back in, in the Middle East, uh, Friday in Israel. So uh, it's not certain, but uh, I will try to be on the show no matter what. And uh, But there is some also good news. You know, the United States and good, Israel good are, doing, are doing joint patrols now in the Red Sea against terrorism. There's uh, American planes based at Uvda Air Force Base in southern Israel. Interesting. And, uh, together with the Israeli Navy, they are patrolling and going after some of the terrorist activities in the, in the Red Sea. Um, there are, in fact, a lot of positive things. The, the relationship between the American military and the Israeli military, and, and because Israel now is in CENTCOM, in the Central Command rather than European Command, the level of cooperation has even gone higher. And uh, working together, so this will, of course, never make news. But it's a reality. So it's a little something positive to, to go. And that when I was in Yushalayim last week and went to Ir David and went to see in Gehenim, you know, in Gehenim, yeah, um, right. the valley where they are building mm-hmm. the most amazing biblical farm with all the things, including the something about grape that. crushers and, and the olive oil things, the big stones that the kids can roll around. They're going to build it because of Shemitah. They can't plant things, but they right. have flowers and other things there. It's going to be amazing. The new discoveries at the Kotel are unbelievable. People just should go, celebrate Israel, enjoy it. I know the numbers are picking up, and God willing, you know, Pesach is sold out. Most of the really told me, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. And, and not with Israelis, but with foreigners. Uh-huh. Um, and airlines are are filling up. So if you're going to go or oh, go after sure. Pesach, book now. But it's certainly there's going to be a, I believe, a big upsurge uh, of the pent up demand for people to get to Israel, and they appreciate Israel more because for two years it couldn't go. We mm-hmm. took it for granted. And right. I, I did go during this time regularly, but I, even now, I, when I was there this time, it was it's so exciting. There's so much to see. There's so much going on. And, and Mamish, what everything that's being uncovered at the Kotel, at the at the city of David, mm-hmm. it's it's incredible. You see the stuff from the first base of Mikdash. You see amazing right. discoveries and everything they found, you know, the bar where you're, you know, the pit where you, the prophet Jeremiah was put. Mm-hmm. You can go in it from the bottom now. And, really and experience it it's incredible i'm telling you it's wow. mind-boggling so i've always felt that your david is something you have to at least sort of you know review once a year you need to go back every single opportunity you know because there's always something new there both there and at the tunnels that the you know, road to kotel at the kotel right. itself new buildings you have to see the new zuckerman center that we built there with the excavations in the back that go up against the old the, the jewish quarter when you say we, who are you referring to? The Zuckerman Foundation, I have a, uh, in which I've been involved. It's named for Mort Zuckerman, the chairman of the conference. Right. And we built a big visitor center in the back where the police station was, but also with the excavations that they did there. Now mm-hmm. you can see it. They found incredible stuff right there. 
and and uh, they put up a glass wall so you when you go in the building it's it's incredible you can see the kotel from the back and you see the history in the in the front or reverse amazing I'm sure we could talk for hours, but we've gone over. We have to okay. get to Rabbi Yudin. But uh, Absolutely. Malcolm, thank you so you much. Well. My it's pleasure. been a great pleasure. Malcolm Honline is the uh, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. This has been the weekly update with Malcolm, and uh, hope you've enjoyed it. And Malcolm, thank you. Have a great Shabbos. Good Shabbos and good Chodesh. Thank you. Chodesh Tov to you as well. At this time, or give about, give or take a couple of minutes, at this time, each and every Erev Shabbos, we turn to uh, Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, Rabbi Emeritus of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Mayor. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody, and good Chodesh. Yes, Today is Rosh Chodesh Adar Sheni. Adar, very quickly, the Aleph refers to the Alufo Shel Olam, Master of the Universe, Dar. He dwells in our midst. How appropriate for Pashas Pekude. In this week's parasha, which, by the way, there are none of the 613 mitzvos according to the Chinuch. In this week's parasha of Pekude, it is a Shabbos Chazak. We have the privilege of finishing the second Sefer, Sefer HaGeula, as the Ramban calls Sefer Shmos. Now, in Parshas Pekude, we learn and read of the actualization of the divine project to build a sanctuary to Hashem. The Ramban teaches that the Mishkan was a continuation of Har Sinai. And just as at Har Sinai we received some of the 613 mitzvot and the process of receiving the rest of the Torah was to be through Hashem's communicating with Moshe at the Mishkan, as it says earlier in Pasha's Truma, it is there that I will set my meetings, Hashem said with Moshe, with you, and I shall speak with you <coughs> from atop the cover of the Oron, everything that I shall command you to the children of Israel. Now, that this most holy endeavor of creating an abode for Hashem. One would imagine that the book of Shmos would conclude with the actualization of the divine promise. We would expect that we would read of Moshe's entering the Mishkan and receiving communication from Hashem. Ouch! Two hours surprise? This is not the way Sefer Shmos ends. Instead, almost to our dismay, the Torah teaches at the very end of Pekude, in chapter 40, Pasuk 34, that the Anan, the cloud representing Hashem, covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of Hashem filled the Mishkan. Yet, the very next person teaches us, Moshe, Lavo. Moshe could not enter the tent of meeting, for the cloud rested upon it, and the glory of Hashem filled the tabernacle. How strange 
and difficult to understand. The whole purpose of the Mishkan was for Moshe to enter, and indeed, in next week's parasha of Ayikra, Vayikra el Moshe, Hashem summons Moshe to the Mishkan and gives him the detailed laws of korbonos, of sacrifices. Well, why then could not Moshe enter immediately into the sanctuary upon its completion? Interestingly, we find the identical situation at the completion of the first Beis Amigdash by Shlomo HaMelech. On the day of its dedication, right before the very lengthy prayer of Shlomo HaMelech, we find the very similar language in the first book of Kings, Molochim Aleph, chapter 8, Pasuk 10 and 11. And what are we told over there? And I quote, it was, <coughs> as the Kohanim left the Mishkan, excuse me, the Mikdash, that the cloud filled the temple of Hashem. The Kohanim, however, could not stand and minister because of the cloud, for the glory of Hashem filled the temple of Hashem. Once again, the very purpose of the Beis Migdash, which is among other privileges, the place for man to offer sacrifices to Hashem, why could the Kohanim not actualize their function and potential? Rav Nevensol Shlita, in his Sichos for Sefer Shmos, suggests a most profound response. The Mishkan, and later on, the Beis Migdosh, is clearly the manifestation and outpouring of love between Hashem and the Jewish people. We are taught that the donations came from those who were Nadiv Lev, generous of heart, meaning that the majority of the donations were voluntary in nature. And the Torah describes the overwhelming response to the appeal for the construction of the Mishkan, so that Moshe had to culminate the collection, because it exceeded their expectations. This is a manifestation of man's love for Hashem. The very building of a sanctuary ordained by Hashem is truly a manifestation of His love for the Jewish nation. As we find in Shira Shirim, chapter 3, Pasuk Yud, Tocho Ratzuf Ava, the foundation of the Mesa Migdash was overlaid with love. The Mishkan was a fulfillment of God's desire to have an abode in this world, demonstrating again His great love for the Jewish people. However, Ahava, love by itself, unbridled, unchecked, without limitations, can be most detrimental. Proof, the tragic sin of Nodav and is characterized by the Torah in Vayikra as... The Torah says, Hashem. They approach Nodav Hashem motivating 
by their abundant love, which led them to an Esh Zorah, a Shalot Hashem, which led them to offer an offering that was not commanded by Hashem. It is for this reason, suggests Rav Nevensol, that coupled with the love, there has to be a commensurate measure of Yira, reverence for the sanctuary, which in effect kept the love in check, and together, reverence and love provide the perfect atmosphere and environment for Hashem. The purpose of the Mishkan, as we said up before, was a continuation of Sinai. Note that at the giving of the Torah at Sinai, we find in Shmos chapter 19, Pasuk 10 through 15, several laws that needed to be implemented to ensure and maintain the reverence of the occasion. Among these enactments include the need for all to go to mikvah. Secondly, to abstain from relations with their spouse for three days prior to the revelation. And finally, Hagbolas Hahar, to set boundaries surrounding the mountain, lest anyone motivated by their incredible love for the Shekhinah would attempt to ascend the mountain. The giving of the Torah is a manifestation of Hashem's great love for the Jewish people. As we recite daily in our tefillos, in the second bracha, before the recitation of the Shema, Ava Rabba Aftanu, with an abundant love, <coughs> have you loved us, Hashem? You taught us the decrees of life. Your giving of the Torah reflects your faith, your trust in us. But this needed to be preceded and safeguarded by the infusion of the decrees reflecting reverence for the occasion. And similarly, regarding both the Mishkan and the first base Amigdash, even Moshe, the most modest of man, was unable to enter teaching the realization of man's inadequacy, lack of true worthiness to enter his holy abode. It is only when man appreciates this sense of the incredible divide that exists between Hashem and man, only then can he enter and communicate with Hashem. We are familiar with the practice of taking three steps backwards before we begin the recitation of the Shemone Esrei, and then taking three steps forward, beginning to pray. And the commentary, Tehillah Ledovit, in chapter Kufiyot Aleph, paragraph 1, notes that this is not considered a hefsake, an interruption between Geula and Tefillah. Baruchat Hashem Go'al Yisrael, three steps back, Hashem Svasai Tiftach, and only then do you begin Shimon Esrei. Why? As the very stepping back, according to the Sefer Rokeach, is a sign of man's humility and total subjugation to Hashem, and only then is he in the proper framework to address Hashem. In addition, the very recitation of the verse Hashem Svasai Tiftach from Tilim. 51.17 is a further indication of man's inadequacy and needs divine assistance to pray.
we see clearly from the above that the two emotions of reverence and love are to be blended as a prerequisite for entering the Mishka. And it's interesting to note that Ava love, which comes from the root have to give, is very often accompanied by an object. One selects a beautiful esrog or other object of mitzvah as a demonstration of their love of Hashem. Yira, on the other hand, reverence, is not characterized most often by giving, but rather just the opposite, by restricting oneself and abstaining from certain behavior. Thus, eating in the sukkah might be a demonstration of ava for Hashem, but not eating or drinking, even that which is halakhali permissible to so do, refraining from even drinking a glass of water outside the sukkah, that would be an indication of yira, an individual taking upon themselves a more stringent observation, observance of the law, is a demonstration of yira. The Chazonish, in his Sefer Emunos Videos, chapter 1, paragraph 13, posits that one who desires to improve and enhance their character traits should begin with Sur Meirah, abstaining from that which is negative, as it is relatively easy for man to do acts of goodness, but to curb one's behavior is exceedingly challenging. It is for this reason that Dovod HaMelech in Tilim 34 writes, as we say every Shabbos morning, Sur Meirah Tov, turn from evil and do good, putting Yira before Ava. And as we find as a prerequisite for Hashem to dwell in the Mikdash. Interestingly, when we are taught at the beginning of Truma, the Osuli Mikdash, Bishokanti Bisokham, make for me a sanctuary that I may dwell in them. Our rabbis note, it doesn't say I will dwell in it, but rather I will dwell in them. I'd like to suggest that each person aspires to have a divine presence in them, and therefore each person has to strive to constantly improve their Yerashamayim, to accompany their Avas Hashem, making oneself the proper receptacle for his Hashras Hashchina, for his Hashkacha Pratis. The Gemara in Brachos 20b teaches, Koshayeshno Bishmira, Yeshno Bishira, whoever is obligated to Shomer, to guard the Shabbos, to strictly abide by the restrictions of Shabbos, is equally obligated in the Zohar, the positive remembrance and enjoyment of Shabbos. Note, however, that this Talmudic teaching begins with the restrictions of Shabbos, teaching that commensurate with one's meticulous observance of the many details of the 39 prohibitions of Shabbos, will one appreciate the oneg, the delight of Shabbos. It begins with the yira, the reverence of Shabbos, and then 
one enjoys the Ava, the love of Shabbos. A few practical examples of implementing Yerashamayim. It's understandable that one is not to talk during davening in shul. But Yerashamayim teaches us that one doesn't speak in shul before davening, after davening, other than tefillah and Talmud Torah. I want to buy your car? Let's talk in the lobby. Let's talk outside. We're not going to talk, even if they're not davening. I just can't talk. And that shows great reverence for the synagogue. I'm wearing my tefillin. I can't talk anything but tefillah and Talmud Torah. Placing filters on technological devices, helping one to refrain from exposure to negative sites, S-I-T-E-S, and sites, S-I-G-H-T-S, is an outgrowth of the Yerashamayim. Even one's careful reciting of the benching and bracha chrona from a text, as opposed to reciting it by heart, again, reflects the Yerashamayim. Unfortunately, we are all distraught and nervous over the recent invasion of the Ukraine by Russia. We are not only worried for the hundreds of thousands of Jews in the Ukraine, but we are reminded of the tenuous state of stability in our world. The Gemara in Yevamo 63a teaches that Puranios, misfortune, can calamities, wars come to the world only on account of Yisrael. What does that mean? And this is substantiated by the Navi Sfania, who says in the name of Hashem, I have eliminated nations, I have destroyed their streets, the cities have become ruins. And what does he say in the very next Pasuk? Sfania chapter 3, Pasuk 6 and 7, Tikhu Musa, learn the lesson. What does that mean? Rashi understands this to mean that when Jews see punishment and devastation brought upon other nations, they should learn the lesson, to be fearful lest they too will be punished. And this should move them to repent and improve their ways. Now Rashi here is referring to Yiras Haromimus, fear of retribution, which is one expression of Yira. And may this latest catastrophe quickly come to an end, but hopefully engender the words of the Navi Tzfarnia, leaving us to greater Yiras Shamayim. Shabbat Shalom to all. Yeshua, 
Coming up between now and 9, this portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H, Abels and Hyman. Kosher hot dog, sausage, and deli is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954 and available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today, and as we keep recommending, try A&H for your Purim Suda. You and your uh, guests will be quite happy with the array of items that you'll be presenting, courtesy of uh, you as the host and A&H as the... uh, producer of major delicious kosher products take our recommendation make a and h part of your purim suit to this purim
That's Zusha with Mishnich Nas Adar, as we are celebrating uh, Rosh Chodesh Adar. That is uh, today, the second day of Rosh Chodesh Adar for Adar Bays. It is Erev Shabbos Parshas Pikudei, Friday, March 4th, 2022, candlelighting 532 in the New York area. Nachum is off. My name is Mayor Fertig, and uh, we are coming to the close of our program. Time to say good job is coming up. A reminder that when you go to artscroll.com, you're going to find a whole bunch of incredibly, uh, incredible brand new titles, including some wonderful material for Purim. The rule is, at artscroll.com, always use promo code RADIO. That is like a, uh, a, a key rule to be familiar with. So if you want, um, or by Gladstein's brand new book, The Concealed and the Revealed, about the depth and beauty of Purim, you want to use promo code RADIO. If you want the brand new Purim and Megillah Esther from Rabauer and Leib Steinman, you want to use promo code RADIO. If you want the brand new biography, Rav Yitzchak Shiner, written by Rabbi Nachman Seltzer, you want to use promo code RADIO. Rav Chaim Kanievsky and Shaduchim, you want to use promo code RADIO. Living Amuna volume number six, you want to use promo code RADIO. You getting the idea here? So you go to artscroll.com, always use promo code RADIO. And uh, that's about it, and you'll be you'll be fine, so to speak. <laughs> Your shopping experience will have gone as well as it could have.
to America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and on the wonderful NSN app. It is a uh, Friday morning, and here we go. We are wrapping up for, uh, for the uh, final time this week. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. We certainly appreciate it. Um, JM the AM returns Monday morning at 6 a.m., in the meantime, stay tuned. Table for two with Naomi Nachman. 10 o'clock, the Arab Shabbos show Encore, Mark Zamek, and then the Arab Shabbos music mix at 1. Saturday night, Siegel after Shabbos at 9 p.m., hosted by Avrami. 10 p.m., JM Encore. And Sunday at 7, Matis as uh, JM Sunday, as he does each and every week. Stay tuned all day long and uh, right after Shabbos. It's uh, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Bakude, candlelighting time, 5.32 in the New York area. Rosh Chodesh Adar Beis today. Chodesh Tov, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. We certainly appreciate it. Um, my name is Mayor Fertig, and I'm here to remind you that not everyone can have a snappy sign-off. <laughs>